Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with the 99th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. And today we're going to be going over a hand from a $3,000 buy-in, six-handed World Series of Poker event. As you can see, the blinds are 50-100. Under the gun player makes it 300. Tight aggressive guy, both our opponents are tight aggressive guy, calls. And I'm on the button with, I'm sorry, I'm in the small blind with ace-king of spades. So we're against the initial raiser, who is in the low jack seat. Hijack seat calls, saw me with ace-king of spades. This is a spot where I think three betting is perfectly fine, but given we are 15,000 deep, 150 big blinds, I'm a pretty big fan of calling and seeing what develops. And the main reason for that is because if I re-raise, one or both of my opponents is gonna, are going to call most of the time. And you really do not want to be playing big pots out of position, even with a hand as strong as ace-king when you are very deep stacked. So I don't have a problem with re-raising here, but for the most part, I am just going to call in this spot and see what develops with pretty much my whole range. Don't let my opponents know that, though. So I do call. And big blind folds. Flop comes jack 10-8, one spade. So we flop a gut shot. And we flop over cards. If someone bets a reasonable amount, I'm probably going to check call. Um, If someone bets big, I'm probably just going to fold. I don't know. It's a tough spot because we do have equity. But at the same time... We're not really thrilled to put a lot of money in out of position because we have to assume we have the worst hand if someone bets and someone else calls. Turns a nine, putting up a straight, a four straight. Um, any queen or seven makes the nuts. Well, makes a straight, not necessarily the nuts. In this spot, I decided to go ahead and lead out 450. You have to ask yourself, which hands could our opponents have that contain a queen that would not bet the flop? And really, the only hand is ace-queen, You'd have to think that king-queen would bet with the open-ended straight draw and over cards. You have to think queen-jack would bet with top pair. Queen-10 would probably bet. And then um, queen-9 for a straight would have also bet. So most hands that have a queen besides exactly ace-queen would continuation bet the flop. And even then, ace-queen might just bet because the players in position are going to be a little bit more inclined to um, bet whenever they get checked to compared as opposed to me, where I'm going to be checking most of my hands from out of position. So on the turn, I'm not so worried about a random 7, so I decide to bet 450 into the 1,000 pot, and I expect to pick this up a reasonable amount of the time. And when I don't, based on the read I make, I'm probably going to consider continuing on the turn and the river. I'm sorry, on the river. So anyway, I bet 450, and only the tight aggressive player calls. Uh, sorry, the second tight aggressive player calls. I see they're both tight aggressive. Only the... um. Initial caller called. And again, this is the player who I think would be betting pretty much all of his queens on the flop. So when he calls me, I think his range is going to be very tilted towards one pair and two pair hands, maybe sets. Just because, again, if he had ace-queen on the flop, he'd probably bet. If he had king-queen, he'd probably bet. Queen-jack, he'd bet. Queen-ten, he may not even call with the preflop. Same thing with queen-nine. So it's really hard for him to have a queen. River comes a four of diamonds. And this is a pretty cool card because it's relatively hard for my opponent to have a flush draw, just because there aren't very many of them possible. And I also don't think he has a queen very often. And if you think about my range compared to his, my range should be significantly stronger than my opponent's here. My opponent's range is almost entirely bluff catchers, especially if I bet big on the river. Notice if I bet big, even a queen kind of turns into a bluff catcher, because then I could be 
betting with a flush that I got there with because I could call with a lot of the random suited cards in the big blind and bet them on the turn, whereas my opponent probably doesn't have nearly as many of those in his range. Like, notice I could have 7-5 of diamonds and 8-5 of diamonds and nine or 10-7 of diamonds and all sorts of hands like that, whereas this initial caller probably doesn't even have those in his range. So this is a spot where I should be much stronger than my opponent, and for that reason, I think we need to bet big in general. And this is a spot where if you get two out of line only betting big with your nut hands, your opponents can easily exploit you by folding. And if you only bet big with your bluffs, your opponents can easily exploit you by calling. And so for that reason, I tend to do this at least somewhat balanced until I have some idea of what my opponents are going to do. But in reality, in most World Series of Poker events, you'll find that many players play way too tightly versus big bets. They assume big bets are obviously the nuts where you're trying to get paid off. So for that reason, I think I want to bet big in the spot. The pot's 1900 We could go as big as 3000 I think that'd be a pretty strong bet that would make my opponent fold pretty much all of his hands besides a queen or better. And like I said, there just aren't very many queens or better in his range. And whenever you are bluffing in the spot, you have, always have to ask yourself, how much are we risking and what is the reward? Here we're risking 3000 to win 1900 So the way you figure out how often your bluff needs to work is you take... 3,000 divided by your 3,000 bet plus the 2,000 pot. So it's 3 divided by 5, which means our bluff needs to work 60% of the time. A lot of people feel like when they make giant bluffs, or giant size bluffs at least, so they have to work almost every time to justify making the bet. But that's not true. I think our opponent in this spot is going to fold way more than 60% of the time, perhaps as much as like 80% of the time or 90% of the time, given I think his range is almost entirely two pairs and sets. So... I'm a pretty big fan of the big bet in this spot. So, what happens? I do bet 3100 for all the reasons I just stated, and my opponent does fold, and we pick up a nice little pot. Once your opponents know you can make this bet as a bluff, you should strongly consider not making it again as a bluff in the near future, at least versus the players who are paying attention at the table. You'll find that sometimes, like maybe seat two is out of his seat talking on his telephone. He's probably not going to recognize what just happened. But a lot of other players will. Also, many players will just assume you had the nuts here and were trying to get paid off. So unless you show your hand for whatever reason, I generally suggest you do not show your hand. Unless you show your hand, it's usually fine just to assume your opponents think that you have the nuts. And don't... Yeah, don't, don't, don't do anything that makes your opponents think that you perhaps bluff them. You want to have this play in your arsenal so that you can just steal these pots whenever the board runs out scary. So, so you can steal these pots on a regular basis, really. I mean, the, the board will, will run out scary occasionally. And when it does, you want to make sure you are there to capitalize on it. I've been stuttering over my words this morning. I apologize for that. <laughs> anyway, if you want more content like Weekly Poker Hand, I definitely suggest you check out my new interactive poker training program over at pokercoaching.com. We have done a few webinars now, and they've been very well received, and I'm looking forward to continuing to help the students learn. So check it out at pokercoaching.com. Thanks for being here with me today. Be sure to check back next week for another episode of Weekly Poker Hand.